This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Alex Cruz with Texas Orthopedics in Austin. Dr. Cruz, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Same. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. Well, I know we have a lot to talk about today, a lot happening in spine and in the healthcare field in general. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. So my name is uh, Alex Cruz. I'm an orthopedic spine surgeon out here in Austin, Texas with uh, Texas Orthopedics. I am originally from Florida. Uh, I was uh, raised in Florida, went to medical school uh, and uh, undergraduate at the University of Florida and did my residency in Houston at Baylor College of Medicine. I did an extra year of uh, spine surgery uh, subspecialty training out at Madison, Wisconsin, where I learned uh, minimally invasive spine surgical techniques. And uh, uh, that's kind of what I brought to uh, to the Austin market. So I've been practicing uh, in Austin since uh, late September. And so far, as uh, everything has worked out fairly well. Well, it's great to hear it. And what a time to be changing practices, you know, during such a unique uh, time in healthcare with the pandemic. What has that been like? You know, the pandemic has brought uh, on its own struggles and uh, folks trying to coordinate care, trying to get, you know, seen for elective surgeries. And, and you, know, you kind of have to face the challenges of uh, delays of, of care in that regard, folks testing positive for, for COVID and uh, it's caused uh, quite a bit of frustration, I think, from the, the patient standpoint. It's also brought a lot of frustration from the from the provider standpoint. I think we're uh, seeing an end, hopefully, towards the pandemic, and we're kind of moving on uh, towards more regular life nowadays. I think that uh, the, the worst of it should hopefully be over, and we're kind of uh, pushing forward with more normalcy. That's great to hear. Now, what are some of the top challenges that you anticipate for 2022? I think for 2022 right now, obviously we're we're facing economic uh, economic struggles and rising gas prices, rising housing prices, and, and everybody's kind of pinching pennies now. And you know, you really uh, have to kind of budget your 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 time, your money, and life to figure out whether or not you know the the problems that ail you in terms of your health, your back pains, your your leg pains, things like that, whether or not it's worth the cost to see a provider and be able to take care of those things. And I think that's uh, I think going forward, uh, given the, the state of the economy now, it may be a challenge for folks to be able to see providers because of that. Got it. Absolutely. You know, and I think um, when you look at where things are, are, are right now and where they're headed um, and the decisions that patients have to make in, in terms of their health and medical care, you know, what do you usually say to patients when they come to you and they have some pain and they're looking for a solution and you can tell that, you know, it's going to be a, a larger fix? How do you communicate that to them and work through that decision-making process? Sure, yeah. Uh, so normally when I see a, a patient initial consultation, uh, you know, I go through what their images show, where I kind of go through their history uh, from top to bottom. And uh, I tell most folks that uh, the majority of folks that have pain, either back pain or leg pains or pinching of nerves or instability of their back, there are solutions uh, to them. And as a spine surgeon, obviously surgery is an option for a lot of folks, but I try to seek out non-surgical solutions. And I think that that's kind of what differentiates, um, uh, you know, I think Texas orthopedics in general, but uh, at least as to what I do, I like to treat patients with as little as, uh, surgery as possible. And so, you know, when you come to my office, I, I really like to kind of engage and show your MRIs and kind of get an understanding of what the anatomical problem that you have is. And so when folks, uh, you know, come to care, uh, they, they go through all conservative, uh, conservative care options, injections, therapy, medications. And 
really at the end of the day, uh, if surgery is indicated, I, I do offer it. I offer it in, in both in traditional sense, you know, big open uh, fusion cases, laminectomies, uh, decompression of nerves, but also uh, perform minimally invasive spine surgeries. And, uh, and that, I think when it's appropriate, I think patients do fairly well with it and they're, and they're rather happy with it and getting them back to, uh, you know, their, their level of activities that they want to be at, uh, at a quicker pace uh, and, and, and with less pain. That's great to hear. And I know that pain aspect of it is a really huge and important part of, um, you know, what patients are expecting in their experience. Obviously, it's not going to be pain free, but to, to be able to, you know, um, offer that to, to patients, that potential solution, I know is really um, an important thing for orthopedic and spine surgeons to do today. And when you look at some of the big opportunities for growth, where do you see your practice headed in the next several years? Um, you know, I, I... As I've gotten uh, acclimated in the Austin market, I've gotten to know what uh, the culture is like out here, and I've gotten to develop a lot of relationships with uh, many patients and other providers, both primary care physicians, pain management, and physiatrists, you know, throughout the city. So, uh, first and foremost, is kind of developing those relationships, and I think building rapport with with the community is is vital to the success of any practice, but really just the and the engagement with patients is, I think, uh, for me, the, the reason why I wanted to do medicine in the first place. Um, in terms of where I see the, the, the group or the, my, my practice going over the next several years, I really uh, I'm honing down more and more on uh, performing uh, minimally invasive spine surgeries. So that's kind of where uh, my, my practice is kind of leaning towards, where you do fusions from a minimally, a minimally invasive uh, standpoint, try to get patients uh you know, in the hospital and out of the hospital within 23 hours uh, for, you know, single level or multi-level fusions. Uh, and it's kind of uh, developing that niche. I've, uh, I've worked a lot on uh, pain management protocols uh, and making sure that patients are treated appropriately for their pain uh, immediately after surgery with what we call multimodal uh, regimens. And so that means that you tackle the pain from really different aspects so that you're not just providing narcotic medications to patients, but you're really trying to treat the source of their symptoms and, and trying to alleviate things without having uh, long-term narcotic use. And so for me, that that's really important. I kind of want to continue developing that over the next several years. Absolutely. I think that sounds amazing and definitely a benefit to the patients. And when you look at that future, um, very bright that you have ahead of you, what are some of the new technologies and platforms that you see as being most interesting and could be uh, potentially be part of that going forward? We're, uh, we're kind of living in a golden age of uh, spine surgery right now. It's, it's actually a cool time to be alive. Um, you know, we, we really went from 20 years ago where there was controversy as to whether even putting in screws uh, was uh, was necessary for for fusion procedures. Nowadays, we know, you know, screw techniques, putting in uh, implants, using X-rays is, is beneficial because you're putting them in safely and you know exactly where you're putting them in. But as time has a uh, as time has gone by and and the technologies have evolved, we've gone through uh, CAT scan navigation or CT navigation, which we are able to use uh, a real time CAT scan in the operating room to really take a look at. The, the anatomy of a patient, the, the bones, we're able to see the nerves, and we're able to place screws very safely, uh, place screws and any other instrumentation very safely for patients, and it minimizes the risk of any uh, complication down the line. Uh, now there's an advent over the last several years, last three or four years, of robotics in spine surgery. And robotics is really cool because kind of like with uh, the Mako uh, uh, robot with knee surgeries, 
there's a uh, Mako equivalent uh, to spine surgeries where you really do a lot of planning uh, at the time of surgery. You really get a CAT scan at the time of surgery. You take a look at the patient's anatomy and you're really working with an artificial, artificially intelligent uh, robot that's able to kind of pinpoint and map out where screws should be placed. And so that system is built in that uh, you essentially put in screws and instrumentation in the right place 100% of the time. And so that's kind of where technology has kind of gotten us so far. And uh, that minimizes complications, makes patients happier, you know, uh, fewer returns to the operating room, makes uh, operations a lot quicker. And they're, and they're all done in a minimally invasive manner, which is, again, really cool for the patient. Absolutely. That, um, you know, really sounds fantastic. And especially thinking about how the technologies and robotics can be used in spine. I'm sure there's a lot of potential for that today. Are you, um, you know, seeing much movement in terms of when you're looking at the um, procedures inpatient versus outpatient? There's, there's been a large shift uh, throughout the country uh, doing surgeries from the, from the hospital setting into the uh, ambulatory surgical center uh, setting where uh, patients are done essentially as an outpatient or if not within 23-hour uh, observations and, and discharge. Um, part of that is uh, it, it saves in healthcare costs, uh, but also we've kind of gotten to a point where these procedures that we're doing now that are similar to what we used to do before are a lot safer, they're more efficient, they're done in a way that um, minimally, uh, minimizes uh, pain in the postoperative period. And so folks uh, and patients are able to really get home in a safe manner within, you know, 23 hours for, for a fusion procedure, which was 10 years ago unheard of. And so I think uh, that's kind of where things are going now. I think that's where my practice will uh, end up going as well. And I think that's, uh, I think it makes everybody happier, including patients, considering uh, it, it saves a substantial amount of money in healthcare costs. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And now my last question before we wrap up our conversation is, what do you think the lasting legacy of COVID-19 will be on orthopedics and spine? Uh, well, I hope, <laughs> I hope we can all go, kind of get past uh, COVID-19 uh, and you never have to think about it again. But I think that uh, from, from the spine standpoint, we've really learned uh, uh, work uh, on pushing towards more outpa outpatient elective procedures. You know, people would have surgery done, and you'd be in the hospital for a while, and then you're predisposed to uh, getting COVID-19 while you're in the hospital, which was uh, a, a real thing at the height of the pandemic. People would be in the hospital for four or five days after a large surgery, and they come in com communication with healthcare providers. I've been exposed with uh, COVID-19. Patients would end up having COVID-19. They'd stay in the hospital for even longer. Uh, so I think uh, having that push towards doing outpatient anterior cervical discectomy infusions, for example, that uh, uh, was once unheard of and unthought of, uh, that's kind of the evolution as to what uh, things have been going. So there's been a, a large drive towards doing more uh, more outpatient surgeries because of COVID-19. Got it. I, I really think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that um, sea change occurs. Dr. Cruz, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.